Calvin Booth clarifies his comments on Michael Porter Jr. in Bones Highland. What might this mean for the Nuggets at the start of the season? We got to tap into the preseason. Game four versus the Clippers ended. We're going to talk about who are the risers and fallers from the Denver Nuggets bench. We'll be right back on Locked On Nuggets. You are Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, your team every day. This is your boy, Swiper. Shout out to y'all. We got another solo show that's coming down the hatch, y'all. This has been such a fun time. Locked On Nuggets got a lot of great content coming for you the entire season. But y'all, let's go ahead and dive right into it. So if you were not aware, Calvin Booth the other day had an interview sit down with Kevin O'Connor with the Ringer. And in this article, Calvin Booth talks about a lot of things pertaining to the different Nuggets culture, talks about his strategy and his draft development, his four pillars of what he looks at when he wants to bring a player into the Denver Nuggets fold. He talks about the things that make players stand out in the draft. How do you want to accentuate the talent on the roster by not having a lot of overlapping skill positions. You want to make sure everybody brings something different to the table. Namely, you can see the starting lineup, Jamal Murray, KCP, MPJ, AG, Jokic. Everybody does something different, but each individual part, it makes up the whole, the best starting five in the NBA. So when you have this kind of strategy, you have to go about putting particular players in place to make it happen. But Calvin Booth, during this interview with Kevin O'Connor, also has some really interesting things to say about Bruce Brown, Peyton Watson, Michael Porter Jr., and Bones Highland. Now, in the article, he mentions Michael Porter Jr. and Bones Highland in the same sentence in that he says that those are both me guys, and we couldn't have more than one. And Michael Porter Jr. is on a max contract, and he's one of the best shooters in the NBA. There was no room for Bones Highland. Now, when this happened and these comments came out, a lot of people had a lot of different things to think and feel concerning those comments. I, Matt Moore, had what we had to say about them. I said that I think that they were more taken in the context of play style when it came to Michael Porter Jr., not his individual character. I think that Michael Porter Jr. has done more than enough to show that he is a team first player, given the fact that he'd gone through three back surgery, was the most touted prospect coming out of high school and on top of that he is somebody that has a superstar type build with an NBA archetype but yet he settles into being a very high 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 level role player and so I think Michael Porter Jr. has done more than enough to show he is not a me guy when it comes to his approach to the team but even though that might be true Colin Booth specified in the note to Kevin O'Connor that he was a me guy with Bones Highland But yesterday, during the Denver Nuggets preseason game versus the Clippers, the broadcast booth, the color commentators, they invited Calvin Booth to come and share during the game. Similar, a lot of preseason games, they want to get some basketball insight, especially for the NBA champion Denver Nuggets. They want to hear what the front office has to say about their development and why they were so good and, and what they're looking forward to for this year. And then so Calvin Booth is asking and he's answering questions while they're being asked of him. And he's providing some really great insight and clarity onto his strategy. But also in this conversation, 
he had asked directly about his comments on the ringer and with Kevin O'Connor about Michael Porter Jr. and Bones Highland. And Calvin Booth had this tidbit to say. He said, under no circumstances would I make or approve of those kind of comments for public consumption. It's not my character as a person or executive. And I think it's an unfair characterization of Michael Porter Jr. and Bones Highland. I think Bones is a great kid, has a bright future ahead of him, a charismatic player in our game. And obviously, Michael is a core piece of our program with his character and offensive and defensive prowess. So I think that was unfair for those things to be put out there. And hopefully, it doesn't happen in the future. So Calvin Booth straight says here that even though he might have said those things, which he indicates that he did, he did not expect for those comments to come out and to be for public consumption. Now, how does the NBA work? So the NBA is a culture where if a staff member, a faculty member, or a coach meets with a writer, they typically talk about a lot of things. Some things are supposed to be meant for private conversation. People just talking about the state of the NBA, the state of their team, the state of certain players. A lot of these executives have relationships with said writers. And so this is like even I don't I, can't, I don't want to characterize Calvin Booth and Kevin O'Connor, but these things can even be taken as friendships. So if you're sitting with someone for a number of hours, you're having discussions about basketball related things. And if you're having discussions about things that are pertinent to your roster, sometimes you might let certain things slide. Now, as I mentioned, as I mentioned in my conversation with Matt Moore on Tuesday's episode, that when you're having discussions or when you're presenting something, it's not the things that you mean to say that get you in trouble. It's your offhand side comments that get you in trouble because they're much less prepared. And you've thought typically much less about what this is going to do if someone else hears these things. And again, even if he did not, even if he did not mean for those comments to come out, my question is, is why would you communicate them in the first place, especially to someone whose job is to put out content surrounding the NBA and his players, coaches, and executives? Now, I don't think there's going to be any true fallout from this, at least let's hope that there's not. But Michael Porter Jr. obviously is aware of these comments, and he's aware more than likely of the events surrounding it that Calvin Booth and him may have had a conversation, and he just said that, hey, these were just offhand comments. I didn't mean these in a, a selfish way, but more so maybe when it came to his game, that you're a shoot-first player, and that we can't have more than one shoot-first player in the NBA. And the fact of the matter is you're one of the best at it in the league. Again, y'all have to remember, I talked about this, uh, if you are familiar with my work uh, on Twitter and also on my channel, if you're, if you're not familiar, obviously you can follow me at Swipecam on Twitter and on YouTube. But I talked about this before, that Michael Porter Jr. is the second most efficient volume three-point shooter to ever start his career in the NBA right behind Steph Curry. And if Michael Porter Jr. didn't play those nine games completely just rigged with a back injury in the 2022 or 2021-2022 season, He'd be the most accurate three-point shooter ever to start his career because he had that that basically the first nine games of that year where he shot 20% from three. So Porter has a literal unheralded ability to shoot the ball, to shoot the ball. He is an excellent three-point shooter, great mid-range shooter. And guess what? When Porter's healthy, his ability to get to rim is a real deal as well. He's a good finisher. He can have a nice dunk package. 
And again, a six foot ten player who's able to slide his feet and guard wings and some guards. Again, y'all got to remember game two of the NBA last year, Michael Porter Jr., Steph Curry. Michael Porter Jr. is on an island with Steph Curry, blocks his shot. Michael Porter Jr. in the playoffs on the island with Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Jimmy Butler, with LeBron James. And he is able to hold his own during different possessions, and especially his connective defense. That did really, really, really well in terms of making sure the rotation for a tight. So Porter is obviously a key cog with the Denver Nuggets culture. And so my thing is, is why we're in a situation where we have to talk about this. It's just, it makes it so that now there's something to be of a distraction. There's some smoke around the team. That's again, I don't think it's any significant smoke, but now it's just about Michael Porter's response to all this. And does this affect him or not? And I think Porter's a grown man. Porter has been in the NBA for years now. He's on a max contract. He won an NBA championship and he's one of the most celebrated players in the NBA that has won a championship as a highly touted uh, prospect who's able to rebuild his career. And I think Porter's going to have a career year this year. So, again, it's not nothing, but it's also not bigger than just something. And I think it's just important to be able to talk about these things publicly and just realize, you know what, we don't want to do these things again. We want to make sure that everybody within our culture feels like they're a part of what's happening and that we don't do anything to make people feel that they are on the other side and that somehow we don't appreciate and or love them as we should. So, again, not a huge deal, but I thought that Calvin Booth um, saying that he didn't mean for those comments to come out, I thought that was a really specific wording that, indeed, he did say it, but he didn't mean for his comments to come out, obviously, while he's been in this conversation with Kevin O'Connor. So we'll see what the fallout, if there is any, to these comments about Michael Porter Jr. and Bones Highland. Y'all, up next, we got to talk about the Nuggets Clippers preseason game number four. What are some of the takeaways? What are some good things that we're seeing? What are some concerns that we might have for the bench as we continue to move forward? We'll be right back on Locked On Nuggets. Y'all, I got to tell y'all about bird dogs. So a lot of people, if you haven't heard of bird dogs, bird dogs will make you look good. So Bird Dogs is stretch khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dogs shorts do exactly the same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better. That fit is so much better than regular shorts because shorts are made stiff and restricting, and so you can't really move in khaki shorts like that, but Bird Dog gives you the flexibility. So if you want to hoop, you want to pull up on somebody, then Bird Dog khaki they're going to get you right. Bird Dog fixed this issue by inventing a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dog uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Bird Dogs are functional for any occasion. Golfing, date night, evening out, pool, workout, lounging, work. I'm going to have to give me some bird dogs and pull up because, you know, I'm out here going out on the city saying what's up, seeing my people. I want to make sure that I'm looking right. I want to make sure my fit is looking tight. So, you know what? I'm about to slide and give me a couple of them bird dogs. Now, go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA or enter promo code LockedOnNBA at checkout for a free bird dog water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't 
want to take your bird dog off, we promise you. So we're back here with Locked On Nuggets. This is your boy Swiper, and I'm so glad that we're here today having an amazing conversation about the NBA champion Denver Nuggets. The season is just around the corner. This is Wednesday, Wednesday episode for you on October 18th. And so we have six days away. The Denver Nuggets are playing versus the Los Angeles Lakers to open up the NBA season on ring night. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm so excited about this. I've been excited about it. Y'all, let's go ahead and tap into it. So last night, the Denver Nuggets, they played versus the Los Angeles Clippers. Now, I'm not going to hold you. The way the game started, I thought, yo, you know what? I think that they might have to have some, like, real discussion about these young guns. And the reason why is that the first quarter ended 25-25. The Clippers, Paul George played. Kawhi Leonard played. Ivica Zubox played. They had Norman Powell. They had a bunch of their players. Terrence Mann, they was all playing. The Nuggets did not play Jamal Murray, Contavious Caldwell Pope, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic, or Christian Brown. So yesterday, they had Peyton Watson out there, Justin Holiday, Reggie Jackson, Hunter Tyson, Julian Strother, Zeke Naji, DeAndre Jordan, Braxton Key, and a bunch of the young guns, Jalen Pickett. They all got to play yesterday. They all got to show their stuff. Colin Gillespie. And so what was so great about yesterday's performance was that you got a chance to see the young guns play and not have any of the starters or really the best player in the NBA to rely on. So you got a chance to see where they are now at this current stage in their development. And so yesterday during the game, Peyton Watson had 11 points, two rebounds, and three assists. He was 5 of 15 from the field, 1 of 2 from 3, 0 of 2 from the free throw line, had four steals yesterday. Julian Strother, 27 minutes, had 12 points, had two assists, only 3 of 11 from the field. So the worst game as a shooter in the preseason so far, two of seven from three, four, four from the free throw line. And then you had Reggie Jackson with 15, three and one on six to 12 shooting and three of seven from three. DeAndre Jordan, eight, nine and four last night. Jokic impersonator, four or five from the field. Justin Holiday, three points, one rebound, one assist. And then the whole of the starters were a minus 20 in Peyton, minus three in Strasser, minus 12 in Jackson, minus 17 in Jordan, minus 12 and Justin Holiday. They ended up losing 116 to 103. But this is what I'll say. They have already made some impressions so far. And I think that you got a chance to watch certain players that have already got a little bit of a confidence boost. Julian Strother came out, was gunning, but you got a chance to see him play versus Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, two of the best wing defenders in the NBA. And you got a chance to see him try to adjust off that. So the movement in the first quarter from Julian was really good. His pacing was good. He was diving to the basket, got some floaters off, got a step back three off, and got like a little transition off of a turnover three off, and it actually went in as well. And so you got a chance to see him try to exploit the defense a little bit. Now, obviously, didn't shoot well. Three of 11 is not is the worst shooting performance he's had so far. But what it does show is that he is trying different things especially while the starters are out. And that's good because you want him to develop that kind of confidence to be able to respond really well. So whether it's a Spain pick and roll, whether it's an Iverson cut, whether it's coming off of a back screen, whether it's a slip off the screen, 
Now, what he's done really well so far this preseason is that he's taken some real good chances on some slip screens with, with Nikola Jokic in the lineup. Um, but he tried that yesterday with DeAndre Jordan, but DeAndre didn't see him, and it was a little bit cluttered and congested in the interior. Um, but again, I like what I saw. Uh, a dude that I think had his best game of the preseason so far was actually Hunter Tyson. He played 21, 27 minutes yesterday. 19 points, four rebounds, and two assists, six of 12 from the field, and three of seven from three with four of four from the free throw line. And again, Hunter Tyson, last two games, is really developing his confidence really well. And his movement shooting and spot-up shooting, I think, can be a really big deal if he is able to secure some playing time this week. You know, he gets to the hole pretty well. Again, he doesn't have a lot of explosiveness, but even yesterday, like when he had to get to the rack and finish and crash, he was able to do that at a decent level. And so I think, like, you're seeing some of the young guns be able to put it together. And then Zeke Najee, 22 minutes yesterday, 11 points, five rebounds, and two assists, three of nine from the field. Braxton Key, 19 minutes, 14 points, 10 rebounds, one assist, five of seven from the field, two blocks, what's a plus three? I'm not going to hold y'all. So when I was at Nuggets Media Day, I saw Braxton Key in person. Now on paper, he's listed at six foot eight, 225 pounds. He's 26 years old. And I think that Braxton is very much a player that if he's with the Grand Rapids Gold and he has to get called up, his profile is going to be a defender for sure. He's not super offensively skilled, but the dude just plays with a lot of strength and tenacity. And he had a couple blocks yesterday, and I was just like, hmm. This is a dude that has an NBA body. Now, the NBA game, Kim, that's a whole different discussion, but he has a really solid frame on him, and that allowed for him to play defense at a pretty good level. And again, it's a lot of this is going to be learning the ins and outs of how to play defense, but I really like what I saw from him yesterday. And so I think he was definitely one of the standouts because, you know, yesterday the Nuggets, they were playing really well, and they were down only nine and a half. But at one point in time, Paul George, which just had like 21 points in the first half, and I think he was like 9 of 13 from the field. He was just abusing anybody that was guarding him. Kawhi Leonard, while Julian Strother got a stop on him uh, at the top of the first quarter. Uh, again, he wasn't really trying super hard yesterday. Kawhi Leonard ended the game with 7.2 rebounds and 2 assists on 2 of 5 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3, but he was a plus 14 yesterday. Uh, Paul George yesterday, like I said, had 23 and 5. In the first half, it was 9 of 13 from the field. He was a plus 16. Russell Westbrook, 7, 5, and 7, 3 of 4 from the field, and he was a plus 14. So you got a chance to see. You got a chance to see what the young guns would look like versus one of the better starting fives in the NBA. And again, when the Clippers are healthy, y'all, they're going to be a dangerous team. They're going to be a really dangerous team. But I do think that this was a good opportunity for them to explore some things. And I think the players that you want to see continue to take a stride of confidence over this last game and then the next preseason game they have versus the Clippers. You want to see Hunter Tyson. You want to see Julian Strother. You want to see Peyton Watson. And Jalen Pickett even. You want to see some of these young guys that haven't had NBA time, either sitting on the bench last year for a champion or the rookies that were coming in. You want to see them continue to embrace the Nuggets culture and embrace where they're headed this upcoming season because it's going to be really imperative for them that they're able to play really high-level connected basketball in case they do have to play this year. And, you know, Reggie Jackson, I will say this. You know, he's been somebody that I think a lot of people have had some questions and concerns about. 
But I think with how he played yesterday, his shot making that he does provide and his pump of his pull up shooting, especially, I think it's going to be really beneficial for this team. And we'll have to see, you know, how often he's able to do that. But I was definitely impressed with him. But up next in the next segment, we're going to talk about who has impressed so far this preseason. Who are the players that I think I feel most comfortable with as we're getting ready for this NBA season? We'll be right back here on Locked On Nuggets. Y'all, so I don't know where it is that you like to check in to get your sports betting, but FanDuel is the place for me. I, I get on FanDuel, and I take my Denver Broncos bet. Uh, Thursday night football is just around the corner, and so I'm definitely going to check that out um, before the game starts. And so you can snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get two Dallas and bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's two dollars in bonus bets, win or lose. Now, if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, I'm telling y'all, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. So we're back here with Locked On Nuggets. This is your final segment with your boy Swiper. And let's talk about who has impressed this NBA season for the Denver Nuggets. Who are the players that have jumped off of the screen that I think Denver Nuggets folks should feel the most comfortable with? Well, let me just go ahead and say this. You have your starters. You haven't seen Michael Porter Jr. yet this preseason. You haven't seen uh, Christian Brown so far this preseason. And so you know who your top six is. You know who to trust. You know the MVP, the best player in the world, one of the best number twos in the NBA who sometimes can be a number one in Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, maybe two of the best, the best wing combination in the NBA uh, outside of some of the clear, obviously, ones, you know, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and, you know, uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and LeBron and Anthony Davis. And obviously, Anthony Davis plays the five now. But, man, like, you know, you got Zion and Brandon Ingram. But the thing is, man, they offer so much versatility because of their scoring and because of their defense and the way that they're able to switch and guard being 6'8 and 6'10. It really aids them and really aids the Denver Nuggets makes them that much more portable when it comes to scheme development. So we obviously don't have them. So who is impressed? Personally, man, Julian Strother has just been so much better than anything that I could have imagined for him. And it's difficult to conceptualize that even yesterday, if he didn't have the best shooting performance, the fact of the matter is it's like the fact that he's felt as comfortable as he's felt to be able to score at a high level, to be able to shoot the mid-range, to be able to hit the step backs, able to hit the pull-up jumpers, and able to drive to the basket, it really just does a lot. And I think that the great thing about it is, is that Julian is adding such a different kind of dynamic element to the Denver Nuggets offense. And a lot of people around the NBA are taking notice about this. And I think one of the things that this does is you have a shooting guard rotation of KCP, Christian Brown, and Julian Strother. They all do different things. Again, that goes back to Calvin Booth's comment in the ringer to Kevin O'Connor, lineup versatility. Because you have a six-foot-five two-way guard that's one of the best POA and chasers in the NBA, one of the best transition defenders as a guard in the NBA. 
You got Christian Brown, another one of the best POAs in the NBA, an aggressive attacker, explosive athlete, decent shooter, can be a hit and miss shooter. But again, when it comes to getting to the rock and getting downhill, one of the best young guns in the NBA, one of the most best athletes in the NBA, and a very aggressive defender. And then you got Julian Schroeder, who so far has shown that he's not a complete slouch defensively. He can get in and he'll guard you and he'll get physical with you. But then on the other side of this, Julian is going to be one of the best shooters on the team. Easy. And one of the best shooting rookies in the NBA as well. So Julian's ability for me, I've been impressed with the dribble action, like his ability to get into some of these three dribble sets to get to the basket or get to a spot and create separation and navigate. That stuff has really stood out to me because, again, he didn't do that a lot in college, but Julian, in an interview he did with DNVR Adam Mares, he talked about he was an all-around scorer when he was in high school, and then he went to Gonzaga and he transitioned into something else for the sake of the team, and it's made him better as an overall player. But to have reliable skill sets that you can get to is really important. So I think what Julian has done is really good. I think he scored 12 points, 23 points, 16 points, and 20 points so far in the preseason, and he was shooting 50% from three, uh, and 50% from the field, basically, uh, before this. And so now, obviously, he's slid back a little bit. But, you know, that's fine. That's really fine. Because, again, a lot of this for Julian is just about the process. And is he getting comfortable with his process in the NBA? And that's the most important game, uh, part of his game. So, and then we also have, I think, somebody else who's impressed. You know what? Some people are a little bit down on him, but I think even after last night that this is somebody that I'm looking at and saying, I see that they need some development, but you see that the obvious tools and pieces are there. And for me, that's Peyton Watson. Peyton Watson. Now, here's the thing. Some I think the thing with Peyton Watson is Peyton hasn't shown a lot of pop because I think he's still figuring out his role on this roster. But again, yesterday, Peyton Watson, when he was getting to the basket yesterday, he was creating opportunity for other people. Peyton Watson has hit a couple of threes so far this preseason, and you see the defensive abilities. But a lot of this is just figuring out the nuances of utilizing his skill set to playing defense at a high level. But I'm impressed with him because he's committed to trying to play basketball the right way. Now, he definitely got caught a couple of times yesterday, dribbling a little bit too much and trying to create. But again, that was the function of the fact that the way that he's being asked to play right now is that that's just where he is. Like he would ask to play as a lead ball handler when Reggie Jackson was on the court yesterday. And even when Reggie was on the court, he was trying to be a secondary creator. And so he's definitely trying to experiment with how he's supposed to fit. But again, when he was decisive yesterday, that's a lot of what it means to be a young player. When you're that tall, that big, and that athletic, if you're decisive with your movements downhill, decisive with your movements to a spot, and you just get to where you're trying to go, then you put pressure on the defense to collapse, and then you can either get to the rim and create contact and get to the line, or you can get it out and dish it to the corner. He had a really nice play where he drove to the rim yesterday and was able to find Hunter Tyson in the left corner for a wide-open three-pointer that Hunter Tyson absolutely nailed for a swish. And for me, if he's continuing to expand his game at that level to create those opportunities for other people, again, that's how you become a positive offensive player before you become a positive net shooter. Is can you create for other people? I.e., Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons, one of his greatest skill set at his and his apex was crashing, driving, and dishing. And so he was averaging 16, 8, and 8 as a rookie. But again, finishing, that was a big deal. His, his ability to explode to the rim. 
But again, once he got there, his ability to find somebody for a pass and create opportunities by getting somebody coming near to the basket with a layup dunk or finding an open three-point shooter. So I think Peyton can continue to add more and more to his game to expand on that, but I really am feeling like confident that he'll be able to do that. Uh, and then also, too, you know what? I've been impressed with Zeke Nachi. Zeke is what he is, meaning that he's not a big player. Zeke Nagy is not somebody that I think you're going to want to battle a lot of bigger, stronger centers. But again, a switch five who during the regular season can be a good backup center, be a player that is not a liability defensively. And again, a lot of this is, can he continue to shore up his rebounding and be an aggressive rebounder? And it's, you know what? His rebounding hasn't been all that bad so far uh, to start this year. And so I think the thing with Zeke is making sure he's able to stay healthy. Definitely want his three-point shot to come back. But I think that right now, based on what it is you're seeing, I think Zeke Naji is showing that there's some tick to his game. Zeke Naji so far is averaging eight points a game. He is shooting 42% from the field, only 25% from three so far, averaging four and a half rebounds a game, and averaging 1.8 assists so far this preseason. So he's also been a positive plus minus as well. So here's the thing about Zeke. He, again, because he's not big, because he doesn't have a dominating physical presence, he has to be able to rely on his technique and his consistency to be able to get him where he wants to go. But again, he's not small. He's about six foot 11, just a smaller frame relative to other people he's being asked to guard. But I do think that if he's able to stay healthy, the ability he has to be a switch big is going to make so much of a difference. And I always go back to that game last year without Nikola Jokic. And it was Zeke Naji plays a small ball five. And him and Bruce Brown and Christian Brown and Jamal Murray and KCP, they were lighting up the Pacers because they were all athletic, they were all switchable, and they were all playing defense, and they all knew their role offensively. So I think, for me, the most important standout so far are Julian Strother, Peyton Watson, and then also Zeke Naji. But I want to give a shout out to Hunter Tyson. The last two games, spot up shooting, he's been good at that. He's trying to play defense, but again, physical limitations, but he still played fairly well, um, given the fact that he's a rookie. And I think that Jalen Pickett, hopefully, you want to see a better game from Reggie Jackson continuing to get better as well. But it's just going to be an interesting year, y'all. And I'm really excited for this. And the Denver Nuggets, they have their first game coming up in just six days with one more preseason game remaining on the calendar as well. But that's going to do it for us here at Locked On Nuggets. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe to the platform on YouTube as we continue to go and give you some of the best NBA content on YouTube. I'll see y'all on the other side.